Hello, I'm your host Gabby and you're listening to Diversity Alliance Talks, the show where we discuss and address those common and sometimes uncommon challenges that need prioritising and authentically working towards to have a real change that impacts society through the events we plan and deliver. To help us on the journey, we speak with diverse people who have lived experience of how inclusivity, equity and accessibility directly affects them in the workplace, events and beyond as well as speaking with experts who work to make those communities' experiences better so that we can learn from them. Diversity Alliance Talks is about sharing ways for our listeners to develop awareness, knowledge, understanding and empathy, helping individuals and organisations to put in place authentic practices that instigate change. Events have the power to educate, change society and potentially change lives. So, let's go. Whenever you're ready. Hi, I'm Dermot. I'm wearing a light blue t-shirt. I have a slightly gingery grey beard with brown hair and slightly green. I'm also wearing two hairnets on my ears and I have brown glasses with a black frame. My background is blurred because I'm in my bedroom, so just for actor privacy. And I have the typically airy, bushy eyebrows. Perfect. Thank you. Perfect. Brill. That okay? So hello and welcome everybody. My name is Gabby and I'm your host today. Um, I am wearing a long sleeved kind of navy blue leopard print top trying to be kind of a bit winter thermal warmer. Um, I've got large gold hoop earrings on. I have brown skin and long dark brown hair. My background is fairly neutral. I've got a beige wall behind me um, and to my right or your left hand side I have a, a plant because as I've mentioned before plants make me happy and I think they're I think they're good for you and good for your mood and morale. Um, and I'm really excited to introduce our guest for today um, as we continue this disability awareness campaign. So I'm really delighted to welcome Dermot Devlin um, and he is a disability awareness campaigner and activist doing just amazing uh, things for for many, many years, actually, which Dermot's going to tell us a little bit more about his journey in a second. But um, one of the things that Dermot did do was set up My Way Access back in 2009. Um, so My Way Access is a recognised disabled rights and disability blog focused on ensuring disabled people have equal and inclusive rights across accessibility, services and health, which is fantastic. And we're going to discuss that a bit more in a second as well. But also let's talk about some of Dermot's accolades as well. So in 2020, he was awarded the Bravery Award from Amnesty International as a UK human rights defender for Northern Ireland in recognition of the campaigning he does for disabled people. He's also been on TV quite a bit as well on UTV and BBC TV and BBC Radio um, and also worked on a documentary as well called Disability Paradox shown on the BBC which is all about disabled people and also mental health um, and Dermot is also um, a prolific speaker <laughs> he speaks quite a lot and um, delivering talks and, and keynotes um, including uh, doing a TEDx as well so I'm super excited to have him on the show today and enough of me because we don't want to hear about me we want to hear all about Dermot and you seem such a busy man um, 
how do you find and where do you find this energy and drive to do what you do, Dermot? Sometimes I wonder that myself from my parents probably just like slow down a bit, but um I used to sort of work myself into the ground, you know, and become exhausted, but I'm a bit more disciplined in the sense now that I would get a, a treatment every Friday, you know, which lasted an infusion would last about five hours. So I say from that Friday morning until Monday morning, I switch off and I am very disciplined to that because before that I'd have been 24 7, which would have been, as you can imagine, would exhausting both physically and mentally for anybody. So I'm quite disciplined now in my taking my 3 day weekend. <laughs> the rest of the week, I, I kind of juggle between my day job and my way I could work in the activism. But uh, it's like it's something that I enjoy doing. You know, it's extremely hard work, but I find it rewarding in myself. So that, that gets me the energy to get through the, the four days that I need to do the work. Yeah, I mean, it must be incredibly rewarding, the work that you do, but not everybody could do it. I think you're kind of <laughs> underselling yourself a little bit there, be very modest, you know, um, it, you know, to show up day after day, sharing your stories, the stories of others, trying to campaign to get things to change and, and be better for those with disabilities, you know, does take a certain type of person. I mean, what what kind of switched you on I guess into thinking this is something that I want to do or must do you know well initially when I started my website it was just because my own frustrations and mm. I wanted to get them out in a constructive way and not uh not an angry sort of let's point the finger do way mm. and that seemed to resonate with people but we can talk about what happened later on with anybody on the podcast but I found that people were sort of reacted to that in a positive way, people who are disabled, as well as the business owners itself. Um, people have sort of reached out and said, well, I know you're just doing reviews, but I have an issue here. Could you help out? I have an issue there. Could you give me advice? Um, whenever I took them through that advice, I maybe did a bit of work for them back in the early days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find that to be rewarding because, you know, that, for want of a better word, I would, I would leave it a little mark somewhere because mm. you know, I'm 43 now. Oh. Uh, so <laughs> I, I don't see myself having a partner or having children because I've just got to that age now. Mm. And most people, society says, your mark is the children that you have. So that time is probably gone for me now. Not necessarily, but you know, mm. when you're in your mid 40s. Mm. <laughs> but uh, for me, this is my leaving my mark on the world. Not in an ego sense, egotistical sense, mm. but just that I've made so much life that bit easier. So that's just, for me, that's my reward rather than the materialistic or fame or the, the financial reward. It's just that, you know, I've made so much life a little bit easier, even if it's just one day. I'm so glad that you said that. It's because I feel very much the same way. So I've chosen um, not to have children. Um, I can't say for a particular reason. I just didn't feel like it was something that was really kind of of interest to me. And I'm, my kind of thinking is, if you're not really going to be like fully all in to bring a child into the world and dedicate your life to your children, what, what you know, probably shouldn't have them. Um, I'll probably offend a few people there. But making your mark, as you said, there's other ways that you can make your mark and leave something positive 
on the planet and that's the way I feel also about the work that I do so it was really interesting and nice to kind of hear you talk a little bit about that as well um just for our kind of watchers and listeners and if you're comfortable would you just mind explaining a little bit more around your disability for us well I have a rare disease which is called get ready for this it's called mucopolysaccharid morgue disease which uh Definitely not going to repeat that. <laughs> <laughs> but I say that again, mucopolysaccharide, which I find quite ironic because I'm a short for tall, but the name of my disability is right. But uh, it's funny the mind, but, but I'm not exactly sure where that name came from. Mm. Um, I know it came from a Ukrainian doctor, but whether that was his name or whether that was something that he named it, I'm just not 100% sure, but it, it originated in the UK and anyway. Right. Uh, what happens is um, most people who have more gears, I'm just written down now. Yeah, most thanks. people that have more gears are usually people tall, they're there, but mm-hmm. there are other people that are taller and stuff like that, they know one or two, but the majority, I would say at least 90%, maybe more, would be would have dwarfism, most would have, uh, would be wheelchair users, and um, if we have hearing problems, or respiratory problems, I would have type 2 respiratory problems, which okay. means that I would have a difficulty breathing. Mm. Now, I'm in my bedroom here, but my background is blurred, so you can't see, but behind me is my bed, and I would wear a machine mask at night, machine that help augment my breathing. Right. Now, I wouldn't die during my sleep, but sometimes that would sort of, I might stop breathing for a second or two, and that would sort of affect your breathing, sort of affect how you feel the next day, you know, being tired and groggy, headaches, uh, having no energy, having um, fatigue and things like that. So having that certainly helps. Yeah. But um, I'm actually on treatment now, as I mentioned earlier, called Vimacin. I've been on it now six years. Right. And that's going to help build up your energy levels again, build up your um, fatigue so you're not exhausted anymore. Now, mm-hmm. It's by no way a cure for my disability yeah. or, or for my rare disease. And it won't backtrack the generation that already happened. Yeah. But it just, just enhances your life a little bit better, makes life a little bit easier. Than, because before I started uh, this treatment, as a were kind of well happened earlier, that I was sort of working 24 7 and, and cut down to weekends and stuff like that. There, yeah. before that, I would do my day job and then when I would come home and I would only work part time or work. But when I come home, I might be able to do half a job on my reaction, half a job and not my energy gone for the rest of the day. Mm. Whereas now I'm able to sort of keep the focus, um, keep working and doing what I need, what needs to be done. That's not to say I don't have the bad days or the down days, yeah. but they're significantly less than what they used to be. Wow. It's interesting to hear about yeah your experience and what you go through on a day-to-day and then uh, learn a bit more about My Way Access. So what it is, what its goal, purpose is, why you set it up. Well, as I say, that when, when I go back home, I'm quite angry, but... You know, I think when you get angry with people, the way uh, it's them to listen. So I just started the Facebook page and wrote about it. 
I mean, the reason why this is so interesting is because, you know, as event planners, part of the role is sourcing venues to hold events. <laughs> um, and generally they're in venues that do have not all not all events obviously held in venues that you know have a lot of money or big spending power but you know if it's big conferences or large-scale events where people pay quite a high ticket price to attend um I think those venues do have a responsibility to ensure that they are accessible and I also understand that with historical buildings that can sometimes be a challenge as well but having something like my way access all over the UK for, you know, popular or most used UK venues for events, etc. So people can go and, and it's not just for the event planners to check that the venues are accessible for booking them, but then also those who attend the event can yeah. see also whether it's going to be accessible for them. Um, I mean, they shouldn't even necessarily have to do that. It should be like all venues are accessible for everyone. <laughs> but until we get to that point, having that information, that source of information, I think is, you know, is such a good idea. And, and you know, thank you for putting that into practice, Dermot. Um, 
the Harkin Summit, which was in Belfast in June, um, recently won an Equality, Diversity and Inclusion at a Conference at the uh, Exxon Awards for ABCO. You were there, you, you attended, you were speaking at this event. And when we first had our initial call um, discussing kind of topics and ideas and getting to know each other, you actually mentioned um, the Harkin Summit and, you know, as a good example. Can you share a little bit, some, a little bit more about the event and then what you spoke about uh, at the summit? Certainly. Well, the, the Huckin Summit uh, was a, a conference set up in the US by Senator Tom Harkin. Uh, so it's basically about addressing uh, employment issues, uh, employment, uh, giving employment advice for disabled people, mm-hmm. giving me a closing address in Parliament Building in Belfast. Um, I, because of an unemployment um, event, I spoke about the employment gap between disabled and non-disabled people here in the north of Ireland, mm. you know, because as I say, we, we discussed ourselves, you know, about the, before this, about the employment gap uh, in the UK, which, you know, is not great, yeah. and I think everybody knows that, but here, uh, it's significantly worse. Is it? Uh, then do you know the percentage, Dermot? Because I know like, it's around 30% the um, employment gap in the UK. What's it like in... in, in... Employment rate for deaf and disabled people is the lowest of the four UK countries here in the north. And the disability employment gap is the largest. The employment, the employment rate here for deaf and disabled people is 38.1% compared to 80.3% for non-disabled people. This is an example and simple gap of 42.2%, which is in stark contrast to other parts of these islands, where in DB the employment rate is well above 50%, and the employment gap is 26%. So you can see a huge gap here. Yeah, yeah, it's huge, isn't it? It's huge. Um, for, you know, most of our watchers, listeners, um, will be events professionals. So what do you think the, because as with the ICC Belfast that hosted the conference, wasn't it? What do you think um, the venue and also the organizers did right from an accessibility perspective that our event planners could be inspired by or, or consider implementing when they're actually putting on events to ensure they're accessible? Well, I think the most important thing is, and this is something they always advocate, is co-design. So what they did was they brought in a team of disabled people, not as tech box exercises, but actually get them in at the high level sort of planning stages from the very beginning, Good. not at the end, which mm-hmm. is significant because a lot of places bring them in at the end and then go, oh, well, it's too late now to do that. Yeah. They brought us in at the very beginning. And I was very lucky to be one of these people. So we were able to say, right, this, this needs to be done, this needs to be done, and that needs to be done. So, like, for example, one of the significant changes that was done in ACC, the ACC Belfast was already a terrific place. But we were able to say to how can someone come in here and to the venue itself, you know, the disabled people coming from all parts of the globe, all parts of the world, coming here to ACC Belfast, coming here to Belfast, this venue doesn't have changing places. Yeah, really? Okay. Mm. And he put it in. Good. 
They would have thought about that if it wasn't for for the team, co-creation. That's why we need diversity in the decision-making positions. But tell us more. Tell us more, Dermot. (laughs) So they they didn't like that. They recognized that was good. And not only did they recognize that it was good for the summit, but it was actually good for the venue because this was going to be a lasting legacy with an ACC developer that it won't be like, oh, well, it's never going to be used after that. They recognize it. So disabled people coming here will use it and do use it since. Yeah. It's um, an investment. It is an investment, not to talk about cold hard cash or capital be like capitalistic, but these sort of things are investments for, you know, not just in people, but also, well, yeah, you will get a return on investment because more people will have to access the space. So that's the capitalist perspective. <laughs> like, um, 20% of the people in the UK are disabled. Mm. So if you're not going to make accessible for it, you're missing out potentially on 20% of people coming through the door. Yeah, exactly. But then there was other sort of changes as well. Um, the main stage, well, all stages, but the main stage was huge. But, but everywhere else we were going well, had, you know, access to get up onto the ramp, up onto the stage. I've been to so many venues where that was impossible, but mm. they had that. Mm. What did they um, have exactly? What did they have to get onto the stage, to get people onto the stage? Uh, they had a ramp. Oh, they had a ramp, sorry. But it was a big long ramp with a slow, low gradient up. So it wasn't oh. like something that you're trying to wheelchair, let a wheelchair with a wheelchair on. Yeah, you're not just sitting there just going, like waiting to go up. Like it's nice to get that kind of like have that your moment of getting onto stage and the build up and arriving, you know. I like that. Cool. And then it was a podium for people to stand behind when they were talking. And this was actually the first time I seen that, but the podium raised and lowered to your Pacific height. Right. Normally I've seen, well, up until then, all I've seen was static podiums. Mm. And to me, like, I never even thought about that before. And now, <laughs> now that's all I see. Mm. That, that podium doesn't go up and down. That podium doesn't go up and down. So, the heart and summit was fantastic. It just really never well for me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they also had sign language interpreters added as well on stage, given that. But as you know yourself, Gabby, there was a lot of deaf or hearing people with difficulty hearing don't yeah. sign language, don't know how to, you know, never never were taught, never were educated on that. So that's going to be lost on them and they can't hear. But they also had a big, huge screen to the side, which brought up captions. Yeah. So you could see. So you had options, options, what suited yourself, as well as T-Loop system. So you had T-Loop system, you sign languages, and you had captions. Brilliant. So that was three things that they had. And the majority of places I've gone wouldn't even have one. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much for your time. We've actually run out of time for today and I feel like we could have gone on and spoken for for a lot longer. Um, I'm sure we will catch up again at some point, but I think this has been a really good taster into your experience, how you're supporting other people with disabilities, how you're trying to create more awareness um, and more advocacy. And I think this is a, re- a good starting point for event planners to increase their knowledge in this area and start thinking and considering how they make their events more accessible. So thank you for your time and your knowledge and sharing with us. Well, thank you for having me on. I really enjoyed this afternoon. Good. Well, take care.
If you'd like to find out more about how Diversity Alliance can support your business through its EDI journey, email gabby at diversityalliance.co.uk. If you'd like EDI news and resources delivered directly to your inbox, head to our website, diversityalliance.co.uk, where you can register. Just a note to say, you can also catch these interviews on our YouTube channel. Just search for Diversity Alliance, where you'll also be able to view the episode transcript. And finally, if you enjoyed this episode, do leave us a review. Thank you.